Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit fan project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main show. A link to the main show will be provided in the episode description down below. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Welcome to Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. My name is DJ, and I will be your host for tonight. On the cast list for our journey into the unknown, Yurin as Sashi Kush, Renee as Mara Vanalor, Rich as Toby Bork, Tonight's episode of Men and Monsters, Part 1. Of Men and Monsters contains violence, body horror, and grim realizations of past, present, and future. Consider this your warning. Previously on Applied Materials, the war against Applied Materials has begun. Agents of Orpheus are dispatched across the United States and the globe to tackle dangerous threats. And for the trio of operatives arriving in Ennis, Texas, the danger is very real indeed. I would like future me to leave this in. The reason why I sound so stuffy right now is because I'm sick at time of recording. So, the three of you have found yourself in the town of Empire, Nevada for the last month. You've been resting, you've been recuperating, training yourselves up over the last month and some change, and you've been quietly waiting for orders to come to you from on high. Especially since after you learned of Orpheus's downfall a couple of weeks ago, Apparently, there was a coordinated strike against Orpheus bases all over the world, and that has put a rather large damper on any travel plans you might have had over the next couple of weeks. However, with the help of a few wealthy and generous benefactors, let's just say, the agents of the Applied Materials investigation team have the resources and the transport they need to carry on their investigation. And so, the three of you find yourselves on a plane to Ennis, Texas. It is a small town just south of Dallas. It is further out into the desert than Dallas ever will be. Ennis, Texas is a small city in eastern Ellis County. It is home to about 21,000 people, and it's also home to the annual National Polka Festival for some reason. And it is here that you find yourselves in a rather dingy little motel. You have been told to wait here for a handler. You might have seen him around the town of Empire before. He is the local county sheriff, whose name is Samuel Williams. Kind of an old guy, mid-60s, you figure, always seen wearing a leather jacket and a cowboy hat. He has a very ornate revolver on his hip at all times. And he has asked for the three of you to wait in your motel room for him to arrive in the town after he settles some stuff back in Empire. So how have the three of you gone about improving yourselves or training over the last month? 
What has changed about Seshi Kush, about Mara Vanalor, and about Toby Bork? Mara has tried to hone her more, I would say subtle, it's, it's not the right word, but it's closest. Not attack-centered abilities of her telekinesis. She has discovered that she can also use her telekinesis to improve her movement. And well, that's that's the biggest difference. Um, she she now has tele- telekinetically enhanced movement, which which has also led to some more well spectacular uh, athletic feats that she has performed. She has more mastery over both her force projection. So yeah. So Toby, Toby has been feeling closer to his compatriots especially after that last few engagements where they were fighting claw and claw and as such he's got a newly deepened feel for melee combat alongside those he trusts and in game terms he now has pack hunter as far as his history in being a soldier he has felt more jaded and distant and like that time in his life has been getting further and further behind him. Meanwhile, Seshi has gotten more and more annoyed about the entire situation. Um, (laughs) She's been training her annoyance? Yeah, she's been training her annoyance quite a bit because first of all, the falling away of Orpheus means no longer knowing for sure that her sire is probably locked away it means that the blood supply is not constant at all and also she still does not get to go home <laughs> uh, so she was very happy for the two seconds she got to spend in paris but then she was moved to the middle of nowhere and now she's moved to an even further middle of nowhere so to deal with all of that the trainers at the, the Orpheus facility have tried to coach her towards more healthy outlets of her frustration, which has helped. Like, her humanity is back up quite a bit. But also she trained more and more on firearms, which means that she now has a baseline understanding. And she found this amazing skill of running after cars that she trained already a little bit in Russia to be very, very much a good uh, outlet for this kind of frustration. So she's been going on daily runs for half a state. So yeah, that is that is part of the part of the things that have changed uh, around Seshi. And as the three of you ruminate on past events and come to terms with what has happened and what might happen in the future, Sheriff Williams makes his arrival at your motel. He gets a room all to himself, and later on in the day, he knocks on your door and appears in the doorframe with a small bag of bagels and four cups of coffee. And he says, Right, youngsters, I got you some of these. I don't know what these are called, but they were in the cafe in town, and so I got y'all some coffee and munchies. Sit down and make yourselves comfortable. We're going to get ourselves a briefing going on here. So we're, we're just still going to do this. Fine. DJ, small question. Do we know 
anything about our wealthy benefactors other than that they are wealthy and they appear to be benefactors. For all you know, they are mysterious, but they are benign in the sense that Orpheus is a benign organization working towards the benefits of mankind and the safety of the world. Same shit, different name. You know that the man called D.B. Cooper is among one of them. Nice. Although he isn't present with y'all at the moment, he is off with another group of agents in Manhattan Island in New York at the present moment, helping with their assignment. Sheriff Williams nods and he says, Yes, well, if we continue to sit on our asses and do nothing, the world's gonna end. You know that, Seshi. Honestly, that does feel like a godsend. Well, just you wait and see. Now take one of these coffees and have a seat. Now I'm gonna tell you who we're up against today. She sighs and does as she is told. Uh, Mara silently takes the coffee and puts it down, then grabs the bagel and starts eating. Toby takes his coffee and he finds a place to lean up against uh, watching the door uh, while the others are sat down, constantly on alert. Sheriff Williams puts his hat onto the coffee table and he says, So here's the plan. Tonight is the night we are going to start on our retaliation against Black Steel Industries. I'm sure the three of you have had run-ins with these fine folks before, right? Yeah, I remember playing around with one of them, yeah. That was the Finland one, right? Correct. A few run-ins I'd like to forget. Well, unfortunately, there's going to be more of that in the future, Toby. So these guys are the ones that hit our bases all across the world. They're an American PMC, and they've got a global reach, so... Taking them down means Applied Materials ain't got no sword. Now, I figure since that they're a private military contractor, they're bound to have recruitment centers all over the country. We need some insight into how they're getting their manpower out. And I figure, what better way to do that than to get ourselves in their ranks? As it stands, one of their recruiting centers is right here in the center of town. Your mission for right now is to sweet-talk your way into this place, figure out where they're pulling people from, and how they're getting their numbers up. This place will probably let you gain access to a barracks or a training camp of some sort, because these people definitely have to train your new recruits somewhere, right? Once you've gained access to where they're training their personnel, you should try to suss out where they're keeping their more private information, preferably without attracting any attention. Try and grab as much as you can, and then scarper. We're not here to get their prying eyes back on us at this point. We can't survive another attack like what they did in Miami. Once you've grabbed all that you can carry or download or whatever, exfiltrate and meet me back here at the motel. We'll go over what you have and figure out a better plan from there. Oh, and I trust that the three of you are more than capable of handling yourselves if things go south and you end up getting chased or attacked. But in the event that you can't handle whatever it is that's chasing you or whatever you find out there. You give me a call and I'll come back you up myself. Any questions? Yeah, just one. Aren't we a little bit overclassed to be newly recruits? Also, like you said, we have had encounters with them. For Seshi and me, I know they have our identity. Like, I, I mean, that was in Europe. But still, wouldn't they just, I know, recognize us 
Yeah, not to be arrogant, but we have a file. Well, who's to say some backcountry recruiting agency has your details on file? It would be quite stupid of them to not pull every single new recruit through a, hey, let's check whether this person is actually legit system. And I'm fairly certain that a place like this, even though they might have your details on file, it won't attract so much attention. They might know your faces, but that's about all they know. And I'm fairly certain you especially, Seshi, have ways and means of avoiding that. Yeah, you're right. Besides, I'm led to believe that they believe that Orpheus is down for the count for good. So it won't raise too many eyebrows if, say, a certain war veteran and ex-Orpheus agent decides to up stakes and trade hats, as it were. And he pointedly looks at you, Toby. Understood, Sheriff. Any other questions? Have you got any idea on amount of non-recruits on ground? Well, it's a second-floor office in a row of shop houses downtown, so I'm assuming they're going to have at least a receptionist and maybe two or three office workers handling paperwork and back-end stuff. But it's downtown, so they can't have an active military presence there, otherwise it's going to attract too much attention. Fair, fair enough. I don't suppose you have any leads on uh, information going in or out that building? Not at the moment, no. That's what we're here to find out. Remember, our goal here is to get at least one of you into whatever barracks or training center they've got nearby. I haven't located it yet, but if there's a recruiting center nearby, chances are one of their camps is here too. Gotcha. So, what about gear? Do we get to bring any? It would raise too much suspicion if y'all brought any. Besides, I'm sure the three of you are well and truly lethal without guns. Fair point, we are bringing the war puppy. That's about it from my side. Now, if there's no further questions, I suggest y'all get some sleep. Tomorrow's gonna be a long day. And the days after are gonna be even longer. Lovely thing to look forward to. Sleepless nights. Sheriff Williams leaves the bag of bagels on the motel room table, picks up his hat, and leaves. The next day... Well-rested and well-fed, the three of you head downtown to the address provided to you by Sheriff Williams. The recruiting center is a rather inoffensive office on the second floor of a row of red brick shop houses downtown. You can see that there is a door with a set of stairs behind it and a sign with the logo of Blacksteel Industries as well as its name with an arrow pointing towards the door just sort of hanging on the front of the row of shop houses. Looks very innocuous, very conspicuous. People are just milling up and down the street, going about their daily routine. It's a very typical morning, although a lot of people here are slightly bundled up. Even though it is Texas, it's still December, so it is cold. Though not as cold as you're used to. Yeah, beats Russia. Everything beats Russia. What shall we do? Shall we have a quick, like, just a stroll around the building and then go from there? I at least want to know if there is a back entrance. That seems like a plan. I'd agree. Recon is going to be very important since we are light on our other essentials. Yep. But uh, let's not do that as a group of three. Let, uh, let me do that. 
go for it. All right, Mara, make me an investigation check with your perception, please. Yes, and uh, I don't just do that. I also um, put on rank two of sensory field. I have a plus two bonus to, amongst others, uh, investigation. And for the scene, I can't be surprised. I add these up to one area away. All right, you put up your sensory field and it immediately reveals the presence of just all the people on the street, all the people in the nearby buildings and cafes, all the people in the cars passing by, so on and so forth. So um, you said investigation with perception. Yeah, let's me uh, re-roll that. That does not make stuff better necessarily. I'll replace that roll with a plus one. And um, so that's three, that's five sticks. Uh, yeah, that's a total of six investigation. All right. It's fairly easy for you to have a little stroll around the block. You stuff your hands in your pockets and just go for a walk. The row of shop houses is very innocuous. There's a couple of cafes here. There's an embroidery store, a vet clinic, and a stationery store. You walk around the corner and nip into the alleyway at the end of the block and just keep walking. And by way of your sensory field, you know that you're at the back of the recruiting center where you sense the little outline of the sign dangling in front of that door that goes up the stairs to the second floor. There is a back door here along with a trash can and a dumpster as per normal. The door itself appears to be just your bog-standard, like, metal door, no windows, doorknob. Mm -hmm. In the dumpster and see if there's any documents that have been thrown out that should not have been thrown out. Yeah, that's a good plan. I for just, like, two minutes. <laughs> or five minutes. I said just for five minutes, because if you take too long, if you take too long in broad daylight, it's going to be very noticeable. Oh, I, I just wanted to look in there. I, I even feel like two minutes is way too long. Um, so I will check the dumpster. Okay, roll me a luck check, please. And 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 doesn't it doesn't get better after a roll? It's a minus two. You're not going to be surprised because you have your sensory field up. And as you remember this, you look down, and as your body is in the process of opening up the dumpster lid, you need to try and avoid the raccoon that's coming to claw your face off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So that's dodge with dexterity? Yep. That's good. That's a plus two. No, it's a total of six. Uh, I just rolled well and, and, and got a plus two. So uh, four plus two is six. Yeah, you sense the raccoon coming and as it leaps at your face, you kind of swat it to one side and shove it away from you onto the alleyway. It hisses at you and then runs down the other end of the alley, startling some lady that's walking by. She shrieks, kind of runs, falls over. You search the dumpster and you find, well, a lot of generic trash. There's just a lot of food waste here, crumpled up paper, burger wrappers, food boxes, that sort of thing. Doesn't appear to be a lot of documents here that have been so carelessly disposed of. It stinks. So I'll put the lid, uh, I will put the lid back on. I'm now in the alleyway on one side. Is there also an alleyway on the other side of this building? It's one straight alleyway going all the way down the row of shop houses. Okay, yeah. So I will come back the other way around. 
Sashi and Toby, you see Mara emerge from the alleyway, looking a little frazzled, but not too worse for wear. You also saw the fracas with the raccoon sort of scampering out into the street and scaring this poor lady that was walking by. It was kind of funny. I think Sashi makes the conscious choice not to respond to the raccoon, but is definitely still snickering a little bit. Um, but <laughs> hi, Mara. Found anything? Just what we already knew. This is the place. And uh, Mara gestures to the charismatic character, Sashi. Yeah. You get gestures to knock on the front door. I do think that over the last month, Sashi, Mara, and Toby have learned that Toby is 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 a tactics person. So Sashi is going to glance a look at Toby to be like, ready? Is this indeed what we're going to do? Are we just going to go in now? Other things that we've missed? Toby's going to ask Mara, did you get a feel for how many people might be in there or what we're looking at dealing with if things go sideways? There is a back exit, so that's good to know. And unfortunately, while the ability is very sensitive, it's not an x-ray. So the amount of people inside, I've got no clue. Then I do think the best way to gain the information we're going to need is probably the front door. Imagine that we do not have this entire conversation right in front of the front door, but rather at a, like, in the front of a cafe on the other side of the street. It, it, it makes sense that we don't stand in front of this building. Uh, also, you guys waiting in front of this building while Mara uh, goes around. Exactly. Exactly. No, that would be very stupid to just be like, yeah, right in front of this building where we're going to infiltrate and gather information right here. And be very secretive. <laughs> Please don't worry while we walk in right now. Okay. So then I think indeed that we cross the street and rather than knocking on the door, Sashi is going to first try, like it's on the second floor. So we need to go in anyway, walk to the second floor, knock on the door and immediately open the door towards the, the office, fully expecting that there is a receptionist inside. So the three of you sort of stagger your approach to the office. Sashi, you go first, you open up the door, head on in. It's a rather cozy looking reception area. There is a desk with a lady sitting there. She's working on a computer. There is a phone next to her and a small vase full of flowers. The reception sitting area has a bunch of couches and different chairs and a small coffee machine. There's a couple of people here. Most of them are men. They look to be about late 20s, early 30s, maybe some even pushing late 30s. All very muscle, they look gritty, world-weary. Some of them have beards, most of them have tattoos. And there's even a few ladies here who exhibit the same sort of physical features. Very tough, gruff-looking, buff women with tattoos. And the moment you open the door, all of their attention is focused on you. For just the briefest of moments, you can feel like you're being scrutinized by just a million sets of eyes all at once. And then, their attention just sort of goes back to whatever it is they were doing. Playing on their phones, reading a book, or just staring up at the ceiling. The lady at the reception desk, she hears the door open, peers up over her table, kind of smiles, gives you a wave, 
and beckons for you to come over, saying, Oh, good morning. Can I help you? Yes, I think so. This is the recruitment office for Blacksteel, right? Just to paint the entire picture of what is happening here. So we have on the other, on the one hand, we have these tough, clad in, in camo, strong people. In walks a lady who is, who projects a delicate energy. Like she is wearing the kind of outfit that you would see in whatever office worker fantasy. So a tight black skirt, uh, tights, black pumps, a jacket that is well cut, a white blouse underneath, a red scarf around her neck. And her manicure is on point. Literally, they are very pointy red nails. Just a the strongest red lipstick. I mean, it's it's a complete clash here. And behind her walks the office worker's reality. Just a cute, tiny person with a business attire. And behind them is a person who looks like they belong in the room already. Very battle-hardened looking, probably soldier type that immediately blends in with the rest of the crowd. Nice. This is the Black Steel recruitment office, right? The woman nods and she says, yeah. Are the three of you here to sign up? Yes, exactly. Okay, so the three of you are going to need to fill out a set of forms. It's just a basic background questionnaire. If you have any identifying documents, you know, driver's license or something like that, please have it ready as well. I'm going to need it to double check your background information. Once you fill up the questionnaire and hand it over to me, you can sit here in the waiting room and wait for your turn to be interviewed. The whole interview process shouldn't take more than 15, 20 minutes at most. Sound good? Wonderful. Really, really just wonderful. Thank you so much. No problem, miss. And she places three sets of papers along with three pens on the counter for you all to pick up and use. At least says she does so. I think there's there's nothing keeping her back. Ma Mara picks it up and before she fills out anything, she starts reading the entire form uh, completely. Toby walks up to the counter and takes the paperwork and then sits down and again blends right into the group that was already in the office, like he'd been there the whole time. Yeah, Seshi and Mara, it's very startling to see Toby pick up the set of papers given to him, sit down in an empty space, and then you instantly assume that he's just been there for a couple of hours waiting for his turn, because he just looks like every other tough person in this room. The paperwork is a very simple questionnaire, along with some background questions, where you grew up, what's your educational degree, any past military history or service in a uniform like firefighting, police work, that sort of deal, any medical history that the company should know of before you sign up, what is your physical fitness status, address, the usual sort of flim-flam that you would expect in a recruiting agency. You hand the paperwork back to the lady, she processes it in due time, and it bids the three of you to just sit wherever you want, because all of these other people were here before you, and you have to wait your turn. And we do so semi-impatiently. 
And I would like any one of you to roll me an empathy check with your charisma, please. Can I? Can I? Can I really? Can I really? Nice. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me guess. A minus three. Correct. <laughs> it's good. That, it, it's a good thing that I have empathy on level B. Oh, boy. So I am going to re-roll that immediately. That's a one for Mara. And that's a plus two, going for a six. Toby's not the most charismatic person, and uh, only rolling a two. All right. Mara and Toby, well, the air in here is nice and warm. It's a pleasant distraction away from the sort of nippy cold outside. Seshi, you feel the air in here is a little tense. And as you lean back in your little chair and surreptitiously survey the room, you realize that most, if not all, of the people in here seem to be sizing each other up. It's like you're in a wrestling ring and all of the people in here are other wrestlers trying to size each other up for the inevitable showdown. It's very tense and you catch a few people sort of eyes darting your way, lingering on yours for the briefest of moments and then looking away like they've accidentally broken some sort of unspoken social rule. It's very strange. It is very strange, but it's also a place that Seshi loves. She thrives in this kind of environment, like the wife of the ringleader. So what she is going to do is meet everybody's eyes that land on her and just hold them and just raise an eyebrow as to say, what, didn't expect me here? Try me, bitch. She is exuding comfort. Not comfort towards others, but at least comfort to herself. She is clearly very comfortable. She even, at some point, gets up, pours herself a cup of coffee, just doing so in just a normal pace rather than the hurried pace of I don't want to be seen needing coffee at this moment. Can you roll me a luck check, please? Of course I can. And that's a flat on the dice. As you sort of gauge the room and meet everyone who meets your eyes with a gaze of your own and an eyebrow raise, you see most of the men just sort of scoff or sigh and then look away from you. One or two of the women seem kind of interested and because you're, well, a vampire, you can sense that one of the women is blushing with the way you've made intense, confident eye contact with her. Oh, lovely. I think Seshi's eyes are going to linger on that specific person just a little bit more than on the others even if she looks away. You know, just to be sure. Yeah, as this woman looks away, you get a better sense for what she looks like. She is this kind of young-looking, almost waif-ish looking young lady. She's probably in her mid-twenties or late-twenties. She's got a tattoo of a fire axe on her left shoulder. She's got a jacket hanging over the back of her chair. And she has a baseball cap on, kind of short, straight blonde hair, brown eyes, very fit looking. And she's looking away from you, but her skin is, well, white as snow. And so it's very obvious that she's blushing as she looks away from you. She is not going to make a move right now because 
that would not be wise. But she's definitely go going to store this information in some backspace in her mind. Okay. It's boring waiting here, waiting for your turn. Would anyone else like to do anything? I, 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 I think Mara is completely fine with boring in this regard. Proby's seen a few offices like this where he's been to and fro with his military service. Could I roll an awareness uh, or similar check to see if there is anything that's clearly out of sorts in a recruitment office? Why don't you roll me an awareness check with your focus, Toby? I rolled a two. I'm going to spend uh, two strain to make that a four. Toby, you're no stranger to a military recruiting center. All of this feels very familiar to you. The density of people, the types of people that are here, the general sort of air and atmosphere of the place. Nothing seems quite out of place to you. The people here, you expect that two-thirds of them, especially the men, are ex-military. And as for the other one-third, you kind of figure that they are either some sort of uniform service like police, or they are emergency services like firefighters or paramedics, or maybe they were in some sort of uniformed group in the past like scouts, or they were in the ROTC in school. Very familiar stuff, nothing really seems out of place here. Another thing you notice about the people here is that, for the most part, they all seem to be dressed very conservatively. At least two to three layers of clothing. Some of their clothing looks a little bit too worn to be new, and a couple of the men are also quite scruffy looking. You're not quite sure what to make of this, though. As a bit of a scruffy looking man himself, I think Toby notices it, but then kind of just shrugs it off or doesn't really pay it too much mind. There's been times when events have brought all kinds out to uh, offer to sign up for uh, the military in full or PMC work. And so you're just waiting, waiting for the inevitable to happen, for your number to be called and to go in for an interview. The three of you watch as the people in the room change. Most of them return here. Some of them leave with a dejected look on their face. And eventually, it comes to your turn. There comes a beckoning call from an inside room saying, Toby Bork, could you please enter? So at that point, Toby stands up, brushes himself off, and uh, acknowledges the person who called him and heads over to, uh, I assume, the doorway. Yep, this looks to be some sort of interview room just in the back of the office. The person standing outside the door is a rather sharply dressed man, suit, tie, the whole nine yards. And he smiles as you approach him and he extends a hand for you to shake. Toby reaches out and uh, shakes his hand uh, firmly, but not overly crushing nor weakly. A uh, solid handshake. The man nods again and he says... It's good to meet you, Mr. Bork. Please step into my office. Let's have a little chat, shall we? Yes, sir. And Toby follows him into his office. The office itself is a Spartan sparse affair. It's just a table, two chairs, the little potted plant in the corner. He sits behind the desk and adjusts his tie and waits for you to sit. When you do, he says, Well, it's good to meet you, Mr. Bork. My name is 
Thomas Taran, as in T-A-R-A-N. I am head of recruiting here at the NS branch office of Blacksteel Industries. I had a look over your paperwork, and it's quite impressive. Had a tour in Afghanistan way back when you were still serving with the U.S. military, is that correct? Yes, it is. I served multiple tours in the Middle East. We like our veterans here at Blacksteel Industries. We like to think that we give them more appreciation than our country already does, if you catch my drift. Which, if you uh, don't mind me asking, Mr. Bork, which unit did you serve with? Served the 38th Infantry. All right, the one based up in Indiana. Nice. Yeah, your little personnel file stood out to me the most, Mr. Bork. Because you have prior experience in the military, that should fast-track our recruitment process with you. Suffice to say, well, you're hired is the easy way to put it. It's uh, very easy for us to onboard fellow veterans. You know, I was a veteran myself, served a couple of tours in Iraq as well. Specifically when, you know, the U.S. was pulling out of the Middle East. Close to the end of the war on terror, I served two tours over there. And then when I came back to the States, Blacksteel took me on as a recruiter. So, you know, that's just you know, how I got here. So in addition to the, well, good news that you're hired, I'm going to have the receptionist out there pass you a little bundle of documents. Essentially, it's all of our other onboarding stuff. Basic contract that you can read over and sign. Benefits, healthcare, dental, insurance... All of that good stuff, along with a date and time. You see, we are going to have to onboard all of our new recruits at the same time. You understand this, you're military, so we're going to have all of our new recruits from today gather back at this office at the end of the week, and then we're going to ship you off to our training camp just outside the city limits. You're going to be there for about two months, going to go through some very basic training, firearms, physical fitness tests, all of that stuff. And then at the end of the two months, we'll deploy you to a unit and then we'll see what happens from there. That sounds like a plan, sir. Excellent. If there's nothing else, I'm going to call for the next interviewee to come in. Thank you very much for your service and I hope to see you again soon, Mr. Bork. He sort of stands up, dusts his suit off and extends a hand for you to shake again. As you leave the interviewer's office, you return to the reception area and are about to take a seat when the receptionist smiles at you and says, Mr. Bork, right? Here, have a contract. You can read it over here and when you're ready, just sign on the dotted line and pass it over to me. And she hands you a little bundle of papers and another pen. The man emerges from his office and calls down the hall. Would a Miss Mara... He kind of pauses, looking a little puzzled at the very European sounding last name. Va, van, va, vana, Vanalor? Miss Mara Vanalor. Could you step into my office, please? And when he manages to uh, say her full name, Mara will stand up uh, and, and f uh, follow him. All right. Mara, you see the same office that I just described a while earlier. It's very plain, very normal looking. As you walk over to the man and approach him, he extends a hand for you to shake and realizes just how short you are. So I take his hand a bit awkwardly from from below and grab it. I think by grabbing it, I'm I'm moving it down a bit, so 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 it it will become a shaking motion of sorts, but it will look awkward. 
this guy 6-2, you're 4-9. It's a little awkward, but he seems to take it in stride. He smiles wide and shakes your hand, very warm, kind of pleasant, and he says, it's nice to meet you. Please, uh, have a seat. Amara sits down, or climbs up to sit down. <laughs> the man sits on the other side of the desk, just kind of smooths his suit jacket down, and he says, I'm Mr. Thomas Terran. It's nice to meet you, Miss Vanalore. I understand that you're not from around here, and you also don't appear to have any background in the military or some sort of uniform service. And he puts down the little bundle of papers that you'd written through, and he puts down the little bundle of papers that you had gone through a while earlier, and he says, So what made you come to us? You understand that we are a private military contractor, correct? That this isn't some cushy 9-to-5 with a 401k and a severance package. Well, from my experience, might be able to read on there. Sometimes the military also needs some sort of diplomacy. And I can be diplomatic. But if that's not what you're looking for, well, I'm not sure if we can be of use to each other. Well, we do have a couple of spots open in our hostage negotiation classes. I'm fairly certain that we could work something out if you're as diplomatic as you say you are. Let me present you with a hypothetical then, just to get a feel for how you like to handle things. Let's say, for example, you're a hostage negotiator for like the FBI or a police precinct, and you're responding to a case, okay? It is a bank, there's a couple of robbers in there, they're armed. And they have hostages, bank teller, bank manager, a couple of civilians, all of that stuff. The leader of the robbers is not being cooperative. He wants money. He wants a guarantee of safety to leave the bank. How would you go about either diffusing the situation or distracting the criminals for long enough that a SWAT team can breach the bank and save the hostages? Maris is served just for a bit and also wants to look like she's thinking. Why don't you roll me an empathy check with your charisma, please? Well, that's a good roll. I think I will also spend one spiritual strain to take that to a four. Well, we can't magic money out of thin air, so I will probably tell them how long stuff will take to get them and stuff like that. I also now realize that Mara should have said infiltration instead of negotiation because that's what she's good at. The man nods and writes a few things down on a legal pad on his side of the desk and he says, oh, Good, good. I can see that you have got some tactical acumen to you. You know that diversionary tactics are a good, well, tactic to employ in a situation like this, especially when you are presently unable to meet the demands of hostage takers or known insurgents, that sort of thing. Okay, okay, I can see it. I can, I can, I think I can make this work, yeah? Alright, we'll have you on, on a probationary sort of deal. You won't need to sign a contract, we are going to instead just sort of onboard you directly with the company. We're going to enroll you with this negotiation class. You'll be attending classes and workshops about three times a week for about five weeks, if that is okay with you. And then you'll have a test at the end of that, and then we'll see how things sort of shake out from there. Sound good? Mm, so, so, sounds alright. Excellent. I'm glad we could come to some sort of agreement. 
it would be a damn shame to see one's talents go underutilized in this day and age, you know what I mean? I'm glad we could offer you some sort of position within our company that can help you realize and actualize these talents and allow you to spread your wings and fly, metaphorically speaking, of course. I'm guessing there does not seem to be any double entendre behind his words, right? Nope. Thomas stands up, goes around the table, and extends a hand for you to shake again, and he says, We're glad to have you at least on board for now, Ms. Venelor. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. And last but not least, as Mara leaves, he sticks his head out the doorway and says, Miss Seshi Kush, could you step into my office, please? Let's have a chat. But of course. So she makes it over to uh, to where he's standing and walks, follows into the office. As you approach the door to his office, he extends a hand for you to shake and smiles warmly. She'll shake it. He nods and says, It's nice to meet you, Miss Kush. My name is Mr. Thomas Terran. Please, have a seat. So she's going to respond with, It's a pleasure to meet you. And thank you so much for having me. He flips over a couple of the sheets of paper that you had previously filled in. And he says, So, Miss Kush, if that even is your real name, I see that you've got a lot of experience in the eh, negotiation business. And he gives you this sort of knowing look. And he continues, You've got a pretty star-studded record here, though, Miss Kush. It's pretty impressive. Admittedly... We here at Black Steel don't quite see the need for professional spooks, but if you're willing to trade in your snazzy suit and tie and dry martini for a combat vest and some boots, well, I'm sure we can put you to good use somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable in combat gear as much as I am in my business attire, so... I don't foresee why we couldn't do that, actually. Now, pardon me if I'm asking you a hard question here, but could you provide me with an example of the type of work you did overseas? Uh, Don't need to be specific, just give me a general sort of scenario in which you were involved. Yeah, no problem. And and like you said, I, I like that I don't have to go in detail because even though my old employer does not quite exist anymore... I do still feel a certain level of confidentiality needs to be in place. But as an example, we at one point had a hostage hostage situation in which we actually were on the inside and we slowly but surely managed to extract all of the people that were inside of this hospital facility towards safety while being under constant attack by, how will I put it, supernatural? Enemy agents, I suppose? Well, stronger forces than we were used to. And honestly, that feels like a personal victory, specifically because we had to split off with a very small team, head out through the enemy ranks, and recover some assets that got lost along the way. You can see that he's nodding along, appreciating the story. When you get to the stronger enemy force, he kind of raises an eyebrow but says nothing. When you finish the story, he asks, So did you manage to get all of the civilians out from the hostile situation safely? Yes, including the assets. Oh, good. Excellent. You know, it's 
very rare that operations like that sort of go the way we want them to, especially if we're talking about enemy wetworks teams and stuff like that. You know, interference can be very hard, especially working against that interference without the appropriate manpower or the appropriate equipment. It's good on you. Good job. Thank you. Here's what I'm thinking. So we're going to put you through the same sort of training scenarios that all of our basic recruits go through. It's about two months worth of physical training, military training, that sort of deal in a training camp outside of the city. You're going to go through that, and then I'm going to see if I can expedite your transfer to one of our Wetworks teams for further specialized training, and then we'll see about getting you, you know, fitting into a second skin of sorts. You know, sort of the same work that you were doing for your previous employer, but now you work for us instead. Sound good? That sounds perfectly up my alley. I hope to move towards uh, interference or even uh, like counter surveillance, those kinds of positions. So this path is perfectly in line with my plans. He grins and he says, excellent reconnaissance. That's what I like to hear. You're very proactive. I like you, Miss Kush. All right. If that is all, do you have any questions for me or? Not at this moment. No. All right. I'll have the receptionist outside provide you with a contract. You can take your time to read that over. Once you're satisfied with all of our terms, you can sign on the dotted line, hand our receptionist back your forms, and then we'll see you at the end of the week. You'll be reporting back here at a specific time. We're going to have a shuttle bus pick you and the other potential recruits up and take you off to your new home for the next two months. That sounds great. Thank you so much. She does falter at great just a second because doing yet another two months of military training is not something she's actively looking forward to. She'll do it, but she doesn't like it. Mr. Taran stands back up and he extends a hand for you to shake and he says, Excellent. Well, I hope to see you again soon and all the best on your new career, Miss Larson. Roll me horror check, please. Ah, no, what? Why? No. Ah, shit. Okay. I I had a legit scare when he said that. What? No. Did I mess up somewhere? No, I did not. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. 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 I'm going to 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 have a check on that because I rolled a plus one on the dice, but I have an, a level A. I have an A rank instability, so I can just take a plus two in lieu of rolling. I'm going to take a plus two in lieu of rolling, so that makes it a five. You pass, standing to take four preventable sanity damage. As he says this last name, you realize that's not the name you wrote down on the piece of paper, but Larson. Larson. That name seems to evoke a sense of calm, a sense of knowing, identity, like feeling at one with this universe, like, yes, Larson is my name, like you're being brainwashed or being put under hypnotic suggestion. Larson, Larson, that name has a nice ring to it. And there is a faint, almost imperceptible vibration in your wallet. Oh boy, okay, I'm going to strain that down. Cool, you keep it under wraps as you shake this man's hand and step back out into the cool hallway. As you walk back into the reception area, the receptionist smiles up at you and she places another bundle of papers, presumably a contract, 
down on the counter in front of you along with a pen. What is the name that is written on this contract? Seshi Larson. Ah, fuck. Uh, okay. She's going to look over the entire contract and give it back to the receptionist and say, I'm very sorry. Um, this is my passport and the last name does not match up. The receptionist looks at your driver's license, kind of nods, and she says, Yeah, but this was the name that came up in our database. So if you want to use Seshi Kush as sort of like your legal name, you might have to get that changed with the passport authority of your country. I'm sorry, I'm not really familiar with how that works in other countries. I'm sorry. Seshi is going to glare not into not on the brink of intimidating but she holds back takes the documentation back and just re reads it over one more time and signs away all right as you read through this contract you don't really see anything amiss there are numerous healthcare benefits dental insurance all of that good stuff toby you see much of the same and as the two of you hand in your contracts together the receptionist says excellent i'll Make a note that the two of you will also be joining the rest of our new recruits at the end of the week. You are to report back to this office on Friday at 0700 hours. That's uh, 7 a.m. in military time. We'll have a shuttle bus here ready to take you to our training center. I'd advise for the two of you to just pack light. You'll have uniforms and other basic clothing provided to you on site as well as the usual toiletry essentials, shampoo, soap, all of that stuff. What we recommend for you to bring along is any sort of identifying documents, passport, driver's license, that sort of thing, along with a maximum of one personal item that you'll be hanging on to for your whole stay. Is that okay? Sound good? Sounds reasonable. That is not a problem, ma'am. All right, excellent. Miss Larson? Mr. Bork, I will see the both of you back here again on Friday. Myra will walk up to the receptionist and say, I was going to start some sort of semi-internship, like a, a weekly course. When and where do you want me? Oh, right, right. Here. She reaches underneath the table and gives you a little pamphlet that directs you to a local police station. It has a course name, information, price on it, along with a schedule. And she says, just go to the police station and talk to whoever's the receptionist that day. Show them this pamphlet, they'll understand. And they will enroll you in the course. Okay. Once you're done with the course, you'll receive a set of accreditation certificates. Just bring those back here at the end of your course. And then I'll get you onboarded with the company. Okay. Oh, so, so, so they are not associated with the company. Yes, well, we do tend to hire outside contractors or outside instructors for some of our training courses. As much as we are a PMC, some things we don't quite handle ourselves. Okay, thank you very much. No problem. Have a good day. Oh, uh, I, uh, before I say thank you very much, I will ask her one more question um, uh, uh, because I think that would be useful information for us to have. I will ask if, uh, Mara will ask if if the if the people in that course are all applying for uh, to work here or is, is is it more a general field oh it's more general it's sort of mandated training for the local police force to do what they do because local police also need to learn negotiation skills in the event that they are dealing with 
a non-cooperative suspect, as it were. We just find it rather convenient that the local police department here carries out these training courses for their officers. We decided to partner with them so that they can also help train some of our people. That seems completely logical. If there are no further questions, I suppose I'll see you all soon. Bye. See you on Friday. The three of you make your way back out onto the street. A couple of hours have passed and it is now close to lunchtime. You can see that there is a sort of rush on the street now. A lot more cars, a lot more people. And I would like all of you to roll me a knowledge occult check with your focus, please. Uh, I've got temp strength for that. So I will spend my temp strength. Yeah, well, and, and let's make the roll a plus two. So that's a nine. I tried to re-roll, but I got a negative three on that. <laughs> so I'm going to instead spend one strength to ignore negatives and get a plus one. Going for a uh, four. I rolled a plus one on the die with my focus of three and spending the one strain I can. Uh, that brings me to a five. All right. Mara, you're the only one who notices this. There is a strange sense of isolation here, but not in the sense that you're feeling lonely. It's more like the office is the one that's radiating this feeling. And as you look up at the sign, at the door, at the stairs, you realize something. You observe the people that are walking around you in this midday lunch rush. And you observe their movements as they flow past you, go into the cafe on one side of the recruiting center, go into the cafe on the other side of the recruiting center. You notice something odd. None of these people seem to notice that there is a door that separates these two cafes. For all you are aware, the door doesn't seem to exist in public perception. Neither does the sign, neither do the stairs. And nowhere is it more evident than when a particularly tall passerby walks past you and sort of absently bonks his head on the underside of the black steel sign. You see the man sort of reacts as if he'd hit something in the air, kind of looks around confusedly while he's walking, and he doesn't seem to notice the sign. And that's when it hits you, that strange feeling of isolation you'd felt. That wasn't just a feeling. No, there's something magical in the air. And whatever it is, it seems to be concealing the sign and the recruitment office from public perception, except from yours. Seshi, there's been a nagging feeling in the back of your head as you exit this recruitment center and out onto the cold street. You are greeted by the lunchtime rush. There is a crowd of people walking past you, around you, and you can't help but feel like the deepest part of you just got stripped bare, laid naked for all to see. And instead of laughing, these people are just ignoring you in your time of distress. And you recall that faint buzzing sensation in your wallet. She definitely looks less put together than she normally is. She turns to Mara and Toby and says, Excuse me for a second. I will reconvene with you in five minutes, but I do need to use a bathroom. A bathroom, yes. And she's going to 
walk across the street to whatever store restaurant is there let's say it's a restaurant ask if she can use the bathroom real quick and while she is sitting down on on a closed toilet seat she is going to take the driver's license that was previously almost completely blacked out out of her pocket and you can see that this driver's license although it has been completely and utterly covered in thick black marker the one thing that seems to have cleared up as you pull out this driver's license from your wallet is your name first name seshi last name larson this has been applied materials and orpheus protocol actual play podcast a warm thanks to our players tonight yurine for playing seshi renee for playing mara Rich for playing Toby. Be sure to follow the show at Applied Mats on Twitter, and we will return in the next episode. Good night. Sashi and Toby begin their investigation of Black Steel's training methods as Mara and Sheriff Williams look on. Is there more than meets the eye in this camp? What secrets will our agents uncover next time on Of Men and Monsters Part 2? <laughs>